Pappy, a uh, couple days after Thanksgiving, looks like we need to get some wedding crowd equalizers in here. You know how when you go to a wedding, there's always more people on the bride's side or the groom's side than there is on the other side? Well, I don't know what side this is. <laughs> but we need some more people over here. You know, when I, I see a, a video like that slideshow that Sidney prepared, one of the first thoughts that comes to my mind is, I am glad that's not me. I'm glad that's not my town, my home, my family. And it's really comfortable to say things like that when you're just an observer from a distance. But I really am grateful that it's not me. And I would think that all of us are. But the real testimony of strength is when you're in the midst of a crisis like that and you're the victim of a tragedy like the campfire and you're able to stand and say thank you to the Lord. Seems out of place, but it's not. Pastor Josh, who you saw in that, has only been in that town for three months. He posted that two-thirds of his flock have lost their homes. Two-thirds. Burned to the ground. They lost everything. Not to mention their businesses, their schools, their vehicles, and literally everything that they owned. Coincidentally, their church building was one of the few buildings to survive the fire. That's pretty cool. And yet in the midst of this devastation, he is quoted as saying, there's going to be a revival in paradise. I have to agree. Yes, there is. Our text today is Psalm 100. I didn't move my little thing here, but I got a toothpick where it's at. Anyway. Um, make a joyful shout, or the old King James says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, and be thankful to him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Now I think of the author of this psalm, King David, and he was a man after God's own heart. But being a man after God's own heart didn't exempt him from witnessing and experiencing tragic and life-threatening events in his life, recorded in First and Second Samuel and in the first 20 chapters of First Chronicles. This man had a rough time. 
Besides these major events, though, let me bring this home. None of us is having a king chase us around trying to kill us. I wonder how many smaller day-to-day things happened in his life. The little things. The really little things like a look from somebody or an unkind word. Or when things just don't go as we planned. Things that knock some people out of the saddle as though it were a major event. Doesn't matter if it's large or small. David knew the secret to facing these events. Life's events. And they are recorded in this song. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. That's everybody, everywhere. Make a joyful noise. You know, in Galatians 5, when Paul lays out the gifts of the Spirit, he says that there's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can also find these on Kathy's steps. (laughs) But notice that fruit number two is joy. Must be important. It comes right after love. Joy. I knew an elderly Christian lady in Grand Junction named Rita who used to say, if the devil gets your joy, he'll soon have your goods. How true that is. What a powerful force joy is. And it's free to us in unlimited supply. All you lands, everybody is included. Everybody can do this. Everybody can have joy. Joy also leads to the next phrase, serve the Lord with gladness. Is serving the Lord a drudge to you? Maybe you're doing it without joy in your heart or doing it on your own without God's presence in it. Joy, gratitude, is like a magnet It draws the presence of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe I should say, it draws us close to Him in the sphere of His presence. It says, come before Him with singing. And I was talking to Barry before the service. In the 70s, before the internet, we didn't have all these praise songs to sing. There was a few around, but you know, they were like printed on paper. We used to sing in the small churches that I went to, Durango and Clifton and Grand Junction, Bayfield. We would sing the songs right out of the Bible. Everybody only had to carry one book. It was a song book and their Bible in one. Uh, we sang Psalm 9, Psalm 5, Psalm 34, 121, 25. Psalm 100 was one of my favorites. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye, all ye lands. Serve the Lord, the Lord with gladness, and bless, bless His name. That's all you're going to get. 
Anyway. <laughs> we sang the songs. Christ singing praises of gratitude to God and having a pity party at the same time. I dare you. You might have to sing the song more than once. You will have to sing it all the way through. But before you finish that song, I think you're going to find out that there is, it, it is more soothing to the soul than a pity party is. And why is that? It's because He is God who we're addressing. We can know Him. The fruit, the evidence of His presence is joy. He knows us. He made us, this says, not we ourselves. I used to think I knew myself better than anybody did. And then once I realized this, I realized this. I have been involved in 100% of the trouble I've ever been in. What about you? Sometimes I'd like to think I'm a victim, but I was there. Usually by choice. The Sinatra song, I did it my way, scares me to death. Because I've done it my way. I'm grateful for the words that we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now one of the greatest comforts of my life is that my God cares for me. My God watches over me. My God loves me more than anyone else does, even me. My God made me and He knows all about me. Now we could add to this list till we see Him face to face and still not be able to scratch the truth that we are His and we're under His care. So we enter into His gates with thanksgiving, which is what I really wanted to talk about today. You know, Friday morning I was listening to Donna talking with Troy, her eldest, on the phone about the celebration they had over at he and Mariah's house. And he talked about the food that was good, the food that was not good, the little girl peeing on their new couch, and this, and who did this, and did that. And as I'm sitting here kind of eavesdropping, I realize this. Well, who gave thanks? Maybe I need to answer that myself. There is a day of our year set aside simply to give thanks to our God for all the blessings that He's given each and every one of us. How much time during that day did I spend doing just that? I'm ashamed to say, not enough. Not enough. If I were to list all the things that I have to be grateful for, it would take the rest of my life to put them on paper. And then I could probably be grateful that I lived that long. That was a joke. Anyway, there has never been a better example 
of a close relationship with God than that of His Son, Jesus Christ. In Matthew 15, where He's feeding 4,000 people, and He gets the loaves and the fishes together, and He does what? He gave thanks. And then the miracle happened. The chapter before that, it was 5,000 people. In Matthew 26, at the, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, it says he took the bread and he blessed it. Some translations say, and he gave thanks. And he broke it and he gave it to them. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and passed it around to them. My favorite, John 11. Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus was a really popular guy. Lots of people from Jerusalem had come out to mourn his death. There was a big crowd there. Jesus comes up to the tomb of Lazarus. It says, And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, thank you. You want to draw close to God? You want to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise? Thank you. Jesus walked closer to His Father than anyone ever has. And He was thankful. You want to enter into His gates and His court? I do. How can I, though? By my verbal gratitude and the thanks in my heart, I can enter into the presence of God. I knew an old alcoholic in Grand Junction who used to say, if gratitude was a coin, you could buy God. The first time I heard that, I thought, that is the most irreverent thing I've ever heard in my life. God's not for sale. You can't buy God. The longer I've lived, the further I've walked, I have learned that those words are so, so true. They're right on the money. If gratitude was a coin, you could buy God. Do I want to draw near to God? Do I want anything from God? of God, about God, like God, it is obtained through gratitude. It keeps my faith and my walk with Him fresh, alive, present, and active. Gratitude. If gratitude was a coin. You know, the opposite of that is, and Paul in Romans 1 is writing about People far from God. It says, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You want to know how you you can tell a person is far from God? They're not thankful. They're not present in the gifts 
and the glory of God that he has given each one of us. I don't want to be far from God. I want his presence in my life moment by moment, every day. I need, we need the presence of God in our lives. And you know, think of this. It's as though I can walk right through the gate where God's at. Right into the court. Right into his throne room with thanks, with gratitude, with praise on my heart. Gratitude is key. Individually, as a church, as a people, and as a nation. So simple. Or is it? As with most biblical principles, it is the opposite of that that gives it validation. For instance, my light shines brighter in the darkness. My faith is perfected in trials. My hope is polished in adversity. Can I be thankful when? How about if most of my town is consumed by fire? Or when the people I love suffer physically, emotionally, financially? Some in that congregation, the um, can't think <laughs> the paradise alliance church lost everything i can't say how i'd act i hope well any one of us is able and quick and quick to give the lord thanks when things are going smoothly when we get a raise when things go just the way we wanted them to when I feel good, I'm thankful. Thanks comes easy. I thought of a way to describe this. It's as though my thanks echo in the cocoon of my well-being. But they don't reach anyone else. What about when it seems like everything and everybody is against me? No matter how much I fuss or how hard I struggle, my prayers seem to hit the ceiling and fall back to the floor. Ever had days like that? This is when I really need to have the Lord's attention. And you know, I don't feel very thankful when stuff's like that. But this is the very time to be thankful. To be thankful at these times is saying to my God, you know what you're doing. You're still in control. And you are faithful to your own. God is in control during the sunshine of day as well as the darkest night when I cannot see anything. I can enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Now I see gratitude in the words of Pastor Josh. There's going to be a revival in, 
in uh, Paradise, California. God has not abandoned us. Pastor Josh isn't looking at the ashes. He's looking at his God. The one who loaned him all of that from the beginning. Knowing that his God can supply even more than he could ask or even imagine. Now, the closing of this psalm says the why of, of what, why we give thanks. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. And those promises will be realized with an attitude of gratitude. Because if gratitude was a coin, Some of you weren't listening. We're going to have to start over. (laughs) You could buy God. You can enter into His very throne room with gratitude. And we'll certainly pray for the Paradise Alliance Church and for all the people of Paradise in this church or no church. As a church, it's been... It has not been fleshed out what our response will be. I know this will be a long recovery for them. We sent crews to Hurricane Katrina for four years. And we still didn't get the job done. God will reveal the role that we are to be assigned. Here at this point, I think, is our role. Number one, pray for definition. As a church and as an individual, what are we supposed to do? We're going to look to the Lord, give us some some kind of definition. Because He's the one that's going to assign our role. And I've learned this over the years. If I'm playing the role the Lord gives me, I do very well. If I'm playing the role I assign myself, it's pretty bumpy road sometimes. But we're going to enter into His gates with thanksgiving, number two. I am... It's going to be awesome to watch what the Lord does with that body of believers because they are in the middle of a disaster. And they're going to stand up. They're already standing up in faith and saying, the Lord's going to use this. This is going to be better than it was. Let's pray. Father, we do lift up Paradise Alliance Church. We are thankful that you are in control and that you're going to do the very best for them. We look to you, Lord, to give us definition, to flesh out what our marching orders are and give us the, uh, the, the courage and the faith to step out as brothers and sisters in Christ and come to their aid. We thank you that you reign supreme.
There's no one beside you. There's no one even close. And we say out loud, we know that you know what you're doing here. And we're going to give you praise for it. Because you deserve it. Thank you, Lord. Bless this church. Help us to be thankful for you and all you have done and are yet to do. In the name of Jesus, amen.